shadow, you know, that the gospel changes everything. And so change, you know, is a very real part of the Christian life, changing as we go along. The gospel changes everything. I love that. It's so true. But it doesn't change everything at the same time. Change is a lifelong process, right? Change is constantly going on. And so as we anticipate a new year and uh, we start thinking about and talking about making these changes, we all know that thinking about change is not the same as actually making changes, right? I'm sure you've had the experience like I have of starting out a year and saying, all right, this is what's going to happen this year, you know, and just it falls flat on its face before February hits the calendar, right? And so um, I want to suggest to you this morning that um, positive, lasting changes uh, requires an awareness of God, real change, the kind of change that we all want, Real change requires the awareness of God and a power that comes into our lives from outside of ourselves. A fatal mistake that we often make, it seems to me, is that we think we can do this ourselves. We think that we can change without really depending upon God, especially us guys. You know, we think we can just hunker down and get her done. But the truth is, uh, change takes uh, a partnership between us and God. Paul wrote to the Philippian church, and in Philippians uh, chapter 2 and verse 12 and 13, here's what he said. Work out your own salvation. You're saved. You're somebody who's taken advantage of what Jesus has done for you. You're looking forward to spending eternity. You know, you're a saved person, okay? Work out that salvation. What does that mean? It's a workout. It's like going to the gym, you know. Work out your muscles. Work out your salvation. Work out all the implications of the fact that you're a saved person. That's what he says. He says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Don't be casual about this. You you need to change, right? God's stated goal for your life and mine is to make us more like Jesus. So I'm going to make the assumption that everybody has room to change because none of us is exactly like Jesus yet, right? We're told that that won't happen completely until we're in heaven. And that's why change is a part of our experience all the way through life. So that's the first part. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Here's the second part. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Well, now, wait a minute. Is it me that I have to do a workout? of my salvation, or is it God who's at work in me? It's both. It's not either or. It's not I can do this, and it's not I just don't have to do anything. God's just going to do it. It's a partnership. It's a relationship with the living God who is in us, working by his spirit uh, from the inside out, helping us to embrace the kind of change that God desires for us in the process of becoming more and more Uh, like Christ. And once we invite Jesus into our space, into our lives, into our hearts, into our spirits, uh, God is happy to move in. In fact, uh, in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20, you're probably familiar with this verse, uh, Jesus is speaking here to a church, and Jesus says, behold. Now the word behold is always interesting in the Bible. When the word behold comes along. It's not like, um, 
hey, take a look at this, or hey, take glance over at this. The word behold is like, hey, pay attention here. Look intently into this. Behold, right? Behold. Uh, in uh, Isaiah chapter 7, uh, behold, a virgin is going to conceive and bear a son. And when that happens, and when you see that, his name is Emmanuel, that's going to be God with us. Behold, pay attention to this. If you're living, you know, back in the day of Christmas and, and all of a sudden you hear that this person has been born by a virgin, I mean, that's pretty unusual. You know, you've got to decide, am I going to believe this or not? You know, and so on. Behold, look into it. Check it out. Because guess what? This is God in human flesh. Behold, you know. The angel comes to the shepherds and says, Behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Behold, listen, don't miss the message of Christmas. Behold, look into it. What's this all about? Why did God come to earth? You know, behold, it's a great word, and it just means to pay attention. And here in Revelation 3.20 to this church, Jesus is talking, he says, Behold, I'm standing at the door of your heart and knocking. I'm very close. But I'm not going to come busting into your life. You know, behold, think about this. Where is Jesus? Where can I find him? I stand at the door and knock. If anybody hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come into him and I'll eat with him and him with me. We'll sit down. We'll have a meal. We'll abide together. We'll do life together. I'll get involved in your life. Behold, I'm right outside the door. I'm just waiting for you to open up more of your life so that I can come in and effectively bring about the changes that you want for your own life and that I desire for you. Behold, here's where I am. Check this out. Figure this out because this is worth looking into. Behold, I'm close to you. And so I want to suggest to you this morning that in um, Romans chapter 12, Uh, We have a prescription from God for change. How does change actually happen in our life? How can we actually bring about uh, these changes in in our relationship with God, with him and us and us working out our salvation? We have a, a biblical prescription, if you will, for change. Now, for 11 chapters in Romans, right, uh, Paul has been talking about what God has done for us and how God has come close to us, and and what God has accomplished in history on our behalf. It's a great, uh, you know, Romans is just a great uh, passage of Scripture. And, uh, but when we hit Romans chapter 12, all of a sudden Paul says, therefore. We go for 11 chapters of all that God has done for us and will do for us in the future, and then we get to chapter 12, and it's like, okay, how are we going to respond How are we going to respond to all that God has done for these 11 chapters? Uh, The 9th, 10th, and 11th chapter is all about Israel and what God will do in the future for Israel and so forth. But how are we going to respond? So Paul kind of takes on the role of a counselor here in Romans 12 uh, and the first couple of verses. He says, I appeal to you. I'm begging you. On the basis of all that God has done for us, I'm begging you. Think about it. I'm the counselor. I'm, gonna, I'm asking you. I'm begging you. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, 
by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Spiritual worship. Don't be conformed to this world. Change. Be different. Step out. Embrace different values. Uh, uh, Encourage different priorities in your life. Don't be like the rest of the world. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So how do we really affect change in a relationship with God? God calls us to change, to be different. I want to suggest to you that the first leg of real change happens in our life when we worship. Spiritual worship, Paul calls it. Now, my understanding of worship is that worship is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. I mean, we gather together here on a Sunday for corporate worship when we come together and we worship God together. It's great and it's good to be together and so forth, but worship is way more than one hour out of a week. Worship is a lifestyle of responding to God. Here, God has done this, 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 this for us. God always goes first. He loves first, he teaches first, he speaks first, he always goes first, and he leaves it for us to respond. And Paul is saying, I'm, gonna, I'm appealing to you, respond to God with worship. And think of worship as a lifestyle. Uh, a lifestyle that simply acknowledges God for who he is and for what he's done. Now, Paul, when he you know, goes for these 11 chapters, he gets to the end. If you just back up, if you have your Bible, um, at the very end of the 11th chapter, Paul just breaks out into this worship. I mean, he's writing the scriptures. He's writing this letter to Rome. And uh, he says, oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who can be his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. From him and to him are all things. You know, and Paul just breaks out into this recognition of who Jesus really is. And he breaks out into this worship. And so I want to suggest to you that uh, worship as a lifestyle is our first response. It's the only appropriate response. Now, the truth is, whatever you do for God in this life, you do with your body. In this life, everything you do for God, you will do through your body. Um, how we respond to God seeking us and loving us and speaking to us, we do with our body. If we're going to read what he said, we need our eyes, right? If we're going to listen to what he says, we need our ears. If we're going to um, praise him, we're going to need our mouth. If we're going to serve him, we use our hands and our feet. Everything we do for God in this life, we do with our bodies. And so Paul says, you know, Spiritual worship is present, first of all, is presenting our bodies to God as a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Now, the 
Old Testament's full of dead sacrifices, right? Then Jesus comes and puts an end to that because Jesus sacrifices himself. He's the Lamb of God, you know, who takes away the sins of the world. Remember John the Baptist saw him come in and he said, Behold, behold, there I go. Think about this. this. Who is this, Jesus? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So we all have a body, right? We all understand that. And we all have a spirit, okay? Our bodies connect us to the world. Our bodies, uh, with our bodies, we're aware of the world around us. We have our five senses, you know, and we become... Now, the problem is that, you know, the, the Bible also says that the small G God of this world is Satan. So with our bodies, we're aware of the world, we interact with the world, and so forth. With our spirits, okay, we become aware of God and we interact with God. Okay, and our soul hangs in the balance. So on one side, we've got God and his input into our life, the first 11 chapters of Romans, you know, all the stuff that God has done, all the stuff that God has said, writing the Bible for us so we can understand, and and we got all of that coming through the Spirit, and then we live in the world, and through our bodies, we're in touch with the God of this world, small g God of this world, and in the middle hangs our soul. In the balance is our soul. And remember, we talked about our soul as being the non-material part of our life, our thoughts, our feelings, and our choices, or our minds, our hearts, and our will, right? And is our soul going to be influenced by God and our living going to go in this direction, or are our lives more influenced by our bodies and the world in which we live, and is our living kind of going like this, and is our soul you know, kind of influenced more by the world or by God because our soul kind of hangs in the balance. And I think it's important um, to understand that, you know, when you become a Christian, God's spirit moves into our spirit. Up until then, I think our spirits are dead, right? We're dead in our trespasses and sins. We're not aware of God. We're not in touch with God. We don't have a relationship with God. We're guilty. We're, We're a mess, right? Because we're influenced most by the world. God comes along and puts his spirit in our spirit. And all of a sudden, I heard someplace, it's like being born again, right? It's just like, you know, all of a sudden, you're going to live from a whole different direction. Whereas you were living this way from the outside in, now all of a sudden, God's going to change us so that we begin to live from the inside out, right? And, and it changes everything. Uh, it changes everything about us. But it doesn't do it all at once. Uh, when, the, when we become a Christian, God actually gives us a whole new past. It's called forgiven. <laughs> it's wonderful. And a whole new future called eternal life. Starts now and goes forever. It's a whole different ballgame as to who we are. But there's a problem. Uh, let me read it for you. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16, Uh, Paul writes to this church, and he says, But I say to you, walk by the Spirit, and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. You've got to make a choice. Am I going to live this way, or am I going to live that way? Am I going to live from the outside in, and let everything distract me, and influence me, and control me? Or am I going to live from the inside out, where God speaks to me in a still, small voice? Through his Spirit, and through his Word, and through prayer. Um, 
Then Paul goes on, he says, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Why didn't you do your goals from last year on New Year's Day? What's keeping you from doing what you say you really want to do? Well, there's a war going on. There's a battle going on. There's a tension that we live in between what the spirit wants and what the world wants. And we see it more and more coming to the surface today, right? Don't you just sense as you watch the news and so forth that things are coming to a head, things are coming to a head. It's more and more difficult um, to stand up for the Lord and so on. So to change, um, you're going to have to sacrifice something. You're going to have to maybe sacrifice some time to think about what God says, to spend some time in a devotional life where we read the word and we talk to God about what we've read and about what we're sensing going on in the world. We're going to have to sacrifice something. And worship in the entire Old Testament was built around sacrifices, of course, but they were dead sacrifices. And Paul is saying, listen, if you want to do spiritual worship, if you want to start to change and you start with worship and worship is a lifestyle, you have to present to God your bodies as a living sacrifice. Not a dead sacrifice, but a living sacrifice. Um, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. When we worship, we offer God our bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, it creates issues, right? Because uh, Paul says it like this in Galatians 2.20. He says, for I am crucified with Christ. I'm dead. Nevertheless, I live. Well, now, wait a minute, Paul. Are you dead or are you alive? Come on, you can't have it both ways. It just creates this sort of tension in our minds. Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Right? And uh, the spirit of Christ lives inside of me and causes me to uh, live from the inside out. It's a process. In Leviticus, way back in the very beginning when uh, God was uh, writing the first five books of the Bible through Moses, in Leviticus chapter 17, uh, God, you know, God, the, the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin. God is so holy, he cannot look on sin. So we're separated from God by our sins. And uh, the only way that God can deal with the reality of sin is death. And so God didn't want to kill, you know, all of his people. So God made a way in the Old Testament that would look forward to Jesus coming and finally settle this. And, and here's what he said in verse 11. It says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. That's why in the whole, whole Old Testament, there are all these bloody sacrifices. Because life is in the blood. Okay, and I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls for it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. Atonement just means at one. At one meant. Atonement, right? At one meant. It, it, it's the process by which two people or two parties who are separated, who are estranged from one another, can come together. Atonement. The two can become one. And God says in the Old Testament at the very beginning, I'm going to make a way for us to be reconciled. I don't like living separated from you. Your sins have separated you from me, but I love you and I don't like being separated. And so I'm going to make a way. 
You can take an animal and you can shed its blood and give up its life and that will point ultimately to Christ for the life, uh, verse 14, for the life of every creature is its blood. The blood is its life. You can't reconcile with God without dealing with the reality of sin. And the penalty for sin is death. So we either die or Christ dies for us in our place. Uh, You remember through the whole Old Testament, whenever you had a sacrifice that you were going to bring to make atonement with God, it always had to be unblemished. It always had to be perfect. It always had to be right. Jesus, the only person ever to live without sin, right? Sin is a universal problem for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so sacrifice is the only way to be right with God. Um, In Hebrews chapter 9, I think uh, the author of Hebrews, and nobody's sure who wrote Hebrews, but in Hebrews chapter 9, and um, let me read this, verse 22. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And so when Jesus comes and sacrifices himself on the cross, he pays the death penalty that we all deserve. And he becomes, literally, uh, the substitute for us. In fact, if you go back to, um, in Hebrews, to uh, chapter 9 and verse 15, um, we're told there that even the Old Testament saints are dependent upon the death of Jesus, which all of those animal sacrifices look forward to and predicted and prophesied, that even those Old Testament saints are saved, literally, by the blood of Jesus. Okay, and then in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9, we read that um, we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, talking about Jesus, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, uh, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for us all. He took our death and absorbed it in himself so that we could be at one with God. And it's a, a wonderful, terrific gift. And so, um, so now Paul says, listen, worship is all about offering yourself as a living sacrifice, not a dead one. You don't have to shed your blood. Uh, you need to just think of yourself, your body, as a sacrifice, make sacrifices in order to uh, be at one with God a living sacrifice, worship. Somebody put it like this, stop bowing down to the world and start bowing down to Jesus, to the Lord. Stop bowing down to the world and start. Okay, second, yeah, that was all the first point, just worship, okay? This church rests on three stools, uh, three legs. It's like a three-legged stool. And um, you, you know, uh, worship, Connection and service. Worship, connect, and serve. You're probably familiar with those uh, three things. So second part in Romans chapter 12, that's worship. If you really want to change, start with worship. Second part of uh, Romans uh, says uh, to be transformed. All right, he says in the second verse, but be transformed. The word transformation doesn't mean just do a tune-up. Right? It doesn't mean just tweak a little bit here and a little bit there. Transformation is like going from a worm to a butterfly. 
It's that process whereby uh, we become uh, the beautiful bride that we sang about. You know, uh, be transformed, and look, by the renewal of your mind. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Be transformed. How do we be transformed? Well, how? That's a great question, right? I'll tell you what. It starts by the renewal of your mind. Now, notice, Paul, you know, doesn't say, men, be transformed by the renewal of your will. I can do this myself. I just have to try harder. I'm going to make a New Year's resolution, a change I'm going to affect in 2023, and I'm just going to work harder at it. No, Paul says, don't waste your time. You won't do it. It's not going to happen that way. It's going to happen by the renewal of your mind. And, and ladies, notice that Paul doesn't say, hey, we can bring about change in our life by the renewal of our feelings. You know, we can just watch 10 Hallmark movies and Prince Charming will show up in our life and everything will change. No, no, no. Paul says, no, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change the way you think. Allow God through his word to influence by his spirit your thought process. And when you change the way you think, your feelings and your choices will change because you've changed the way you think. Now, it's pretty important, I think, to uh, understand this because to renew our minds, you know, uh, he, here's what we're supposed to do. He, he says in verse 2, he says, don't be conformed to the world, right? But be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by, the test, by testing you may discern what is the will of God. What do you want to do with your mind? If you're going to renew your mind, what is it you're going to focus on? What is it going to zero in on? I was reading this survey uh, about how people are operating in America today. And according to this survey, which, you know, I don't know, I forget where it came from, but only 6% of people that answered this survey actually think. <laughs> it blew my mind. But I mean, actually sit down and take time and shut the TV off and shut the distractions out and just think. Meditate on God's word or on, you know, and just think. Most people just go along with the flow. Just watch TV, just take the news, just don't think about it, just, you know, ebb and flow, go to work, come home, pay the bills, you know, go to sleep and eat a little bit and do the same tomorrow. Without ever thinking, what's it all about? And Paul says, you know, don't do that. You know, think. And I, I think it's important to understand that when he says, you know, be transformed by the renewal of your mind, what are you supposed to focus your mind on? The will of God. In every area of your life, God has a will for you. Right? In fact, when we um, think about God's will, I always think at least in three, uh, God's will has at least three aspects to it, Right? First of all, we have God's sovereign will. You know, God says certain things are going to happen, and they happen. You can't do anything about it. You, you can fight it, kick it, uh, ignore it, you know, pretend to uh, fight, whatever. It doesn't matter. God says, look, this is what's going to happen. Jesus is going to come. Emmanuel is going to come. He's going to be born of a virgin. It's going to be a Christmas. Son. You know, and then God says, Jesus is coming back someday, and there's going to be a new heaven, new earth, new bodies, new, I mean, everything is going to be new. It's going to be great. And you can't stop that. It's going to happen because God said it. It's his sovereign will. There's nothing you can do about God's 
sovereign will. Peter puts it like this uh, in um, 2 Peter verse 1 and verse 19. Uh, he says, we have something more sure. I think Christians have a tremendous advantage by knowing the future. How would you like to just know all the details about the future? Think what you could do if you, were a, if you followed the stock market and you knew what was going to happen, right? Insider trading or whatever. You know, if you knew exactly what was going to happen to your body, what health issues you'd be facing, you know, five years from now, you'd probably change a lot of things today and all of that kind of stuff. Well, we Christians know what's coming ultimately in the future. It's a tremendous advantage to have that perspective. And, and, and Peter says, look, we have something more sure. The prophetic word to which you will do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star Jesus rises in our hearts. Until the Lord comes back, it's gonna, we have such an advantage as Christians. And I'm, uh, it upsets me, Barb will tell you, that so many Christian churches never pay attention to prophecy. Because it's so controversial, right? Everybody has different opinions about it and so on. So we just ignore it and pretend, and well, we'll just see what happens, you know. That's not why God revealed, uh, you know, uh, up to a third of the Bible was prophetic when it was written. Anyway, I don't want to get sidetracked. So you have the, si the, the, the sovereign will of God. The second thing, you have the moral will of God. The Ten Commandments, the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus explained you know, the spirit behind the Ten Commandments. The moral will of God. We know what's right. We know what's wrong. So if we want to change and we want to renew our minds, you know, uh, the second thing is well, we change by the renewing of our minds. And, uh, and then third, uh, the third part of God's will, it seems to me, is that God has a will for each one of us. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He has a personal will for each of our lives. And part of, uh, you know, uh, wanting to focus on the will of God is asking the question, you know, what's God's purpose for me in 2023? What is it that he's prepared for me to do? Who are the people that he's going to bring uh, in or out of my life? Who are, what are the opportunities that are going to come to me to serve him in some which way or to speak up for him in some which way and so forth? So you got his sovereign will, you got his moral will, you got his personal will. And uh, if we're going to be about God's will, number two, we have to be connected. We have to be connected to God. We have to let him speak to us, right? We have to be connected to God. Uh, the time is uh, going by quick. I, I also want to just point out um, that the verse, the next verse here, verse three, in Romans chapter twelve, says, uh, "For by the grace given to me, I say to everybody among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think." You know what? You got to be connected to God, but you also got to be connected to yourself. You got to know who you are. You got to know. You know, I have a, a, an honest and transparent evaluation of yourself. Where am I at in my journey towards heaven? You know, Paul says, look, don't think more highly of yourself. And I would add that the opposite of that is also don't think more lowly of yourself. You know, is it self-esteem or self-denial that God would have us have more of in 2023? Well, it depends. I think you can make a case for both from Scripture, but it's not either or, it's both and, and that creates a tension. 
creates a tension. I, I, well, someday we'll talk about this, but uh, I always think the truth of God is found in the tension between seemingly opposite ideas that come together in the mind of God. But that's for another day. Okay, so not only that, but then the next couple of verses talk about this. We need to be connected to God. We need to be connected to ourselves and have an honest, sober judgment of who we are uh, according to the measure of faith. And then third, we need to be connected to each other. We need to be connected to each other. Look at this. It says, uh, for as in one body, uh, as in one body, we have many members and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, uh, are one body in Christ and individually members of each other. You have to stay connected to God, connected to yourself, and connected to other believers. Nobody really grows and changes on their own. We need each other. It's the way God made us. We're dependent upon one another. Uh, and why? Because the Holy Spirit lives in each of us. And God has gifted us in different ways. The last part of this is about the gifts that God has given us so that we can serve, both inside the church and outside the church, serve the cause of God, serve the kingdom of God. And so, three pillars that this church rests on, right? Worship, right, as a lifestyle. Uh, being connected, all right, to God, like abiding in Christ, like we talked about being connected to ourselves, having an honest evaluation, you know, of who we really are, where we're at. Am I a life-giving person to anybody? Am I uh, giving, you know, the good news of the gospel to anybody? Am I an honest person? Am I as loving as I want to be? What do I need to change this coming year? You know, and so on. And, and then third, being connected to each other, to the body, to the church, because the church is made up of all these different gifts, and then finally, uh, we don't have time for this, but um, you can read it for yourself and figure it out. It's just that we've all been gifted. And we all have a place to serve. Nobody has all the gifts, and it's very humbling to be gifted uh, because God is using us to build his kingdom. And so everybody has to find a place where in 2023 they can serve. Serve God and serve each other and serve the world in which we live. Because even Jesus, Mark 10, 45, did not come into the world to be served, but to serve. When you figure out that life's about serving, lots of things change. Lots of things change. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just pause here again to recognize that you're such an awesome God. Just like Paul at the end of uh, Romans 11, you know, just bursts out into recognizing your wisdom and uh, the 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 way that your generosity has spilled out on us through Jesus and you're giving your spirit, sharing your spirit, willing, standing on the outside of our hearts, knocking, willing to come in and to share our messy lives with us and uh, guide us along the way and help us. And so I just pray, Father, that we would find ourselves with a desire to respond to your initiatives toward us through Jesus, in whose name we pray, amen.